Hey guys and gals, it's Nico with another thought load for you. And as I mentioned in the previous recording, today I'm going to share with you a snippet. It's it's about 12 minutes of a recording from Brene Brown's The Power of Vulnerability. I'd recommend that uh, you pick it up on Amazon as an or Audible as an audiobook, uh, or you can get the physical copy. And I need to preface kind of what she's what she's doing at this point of this of the seminar. And it, it sounds, if I understand it correctly, she's giving a seminar, and this is at, towards the end of the overall recording. She's already done four and a half or five sessions that are all about an hour each, and she's talked about different components of vulnerability and also guide posts that she found in all of the successful people, all of the people that embraced vulnerability. And she's going to go in and talk about one of those guideposts in particular, but also talk about some circumstances that arise because of that. So I think she says all of this stuff way better than I could. So sit back, listen to Brene, and enjoy. How do we put the white space in? Guidepost number six, cultivating creativity and letting go of comparison. Across the interviews with wholehearted men and women, creativity emerged as a hugely important pattern. These folks were engaged in a creative something. They were photographers. They drew pictures. They rebuilt engines. They cooked. They knitted, they sewed, they did, I mean, they, every single one of these men and women who I would describe as wholehearted were engaged in some kind of creative outlet. They made music, they made movies on their computers, they were in a band, they played the flute. Creativity emerged as hugely important. And what was interesting is that the shame trigger and the vulnerability shield that emerged as a thing that keeps us away from being creative was comparison. So how many of you actively practice creativity? Maybe about half. Okay, the other half. You're going to have to find something. And I, I feel with you. Let me tell you, before this started, I was the person that if someone said, and a lot of my friends are very creative people, would say, hey, do you want to go scrapbook or do you want to go take this painting class? My response was always the same. That's really cute. And that's neato. And you go do your ART, but I have a J-O-B. So you go do your self-indulgent, flaky art bullshit. And I'll be working. I mean, that was my response. It wasn't just a no thank you. And I probably said no thank you. I don't think I actually said that out loud to anybody. But I certainly, what was going on inside of me was like, oh God, are you kidding? Take a look. We're grownups. We got shit to do. Um... <laughs> That was my response around creativity. Seriously. Right. And then I do this research, and here's what I learned. First of all, you know that whole thing, like, I'm not really a creative person? No such thing. We're all creative. Creativity is a function of being human. There are simply people who use their creativity and people who do not. And here is the really hard news. Unused creativity is not benign. It does not dissipate. It metastasizes. 
and unused creativity turns into rage, grief, shame, judgment. I mean, the reason why I would respond like, Jesus, are you kidding? A painting class? I'm running carpool for soccer. I got this. You know, you know, no. Judgment. Because inside of all of this is creativity. And when we don't use it, I'm telling you, it does not go away. And one of the big reasons that we stop using creativity is comparison. And we can track that back. I mean, I think I've already shared with you that 85% of the men and women I've interviewed remember something so shaming that happened in school that it forever changed how they thought of themselves as learners. 50% of those people the shaming experience was around creativity. They have art scars. And by art scars, they can point to a specific moment in time where they were laughed at or put down. And let me tell you, if you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, a lot of these people, the mean age from my research participant was 40. And if you're thinking, well, yeah, you know, schools used to be tough. I, a very good friend of mine, very good friend, we go to church together, just told me he just pulled his daughter out of a very exclusive private school in Houston because the assignment was to draw flowers. And his, I think she's in first grade, drew some flowers. And the teacher walked by and said, I told you not to use these colors. And they don't look anything like the flowers were drawing and ripped up her page in front of her. Yeah, this happens all the time. An interview that I did with someone who his entire aspiration was to go to Rice University. I'm pretty sure he had a perfect score on the SAT, 1600. No question he could have gone into Rice, which do you all know Rice University, the Harvard of the South in Houston? Very excited. And then he got the application. And to this date, as we're speaking, this is still on the Rice application. There's a box, a big empty box. And it says, draw something that reflects your thinking about X. And he just broke down in tears and threw it away. And he went to a different college because when he was in elementary school, a teacher held up a drawing that he had drawn and said, it's a good thing you're, I mean, and said this lovingly, it's a good thing you're so darn smart, John, because this is pretty much the worst horse I've seen in 20 years. These things change people's lives. They really do. And so comparison is the issue. And we have very interesting data around kids and creativity Around fourth or fifth grade, we see a tremendous drop in creativity in children. And they call it the creativity slump because it is when children, you know, kindergarten, I got a kindergartner, first grade, second grade, third grade. I can tell you because we have art walls in our house where we hang up all the kids' art. Draw a horse. Charlie will draw a blue polka dot horse that has six heads. Right. And the teachers are like, this is the best horse ever. It's great. I come home, look at my horse mom. It's blue. It's got four heads. I love it. This happens kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, draw a horse. Kids start looking around and man, Susie just whipped out a horse that looks like a horse. (laughs) And John's horse looks like the front of like horse magazine. And all of a sudden my blue polka dot four headed horse, I don't fit in anymore. I'm not good at this anymore. And then you have middle school where my daughter started middle school with the aspirations of being an artist. 
until about the middle of sixth grade where she was told that's not her strength. She's not really a good artist. Yet middle school is where they start grading art and they start having advanced art. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me just look carte blanche at anyone who's making any rules about art in the world. You have kids who want to take advanced art. They should be let into advanced art. You know, my daughter didn't want to be let into advanced art. She wasn't interested in it, but she just also wasn't interested in being told, you're not a very good artist. You're more of a crafter. You know, and I see people my age struggling with this all the time. Like, why do you think that we're afraid to contribute and be innovative and creative at work when, you know, if you've got 85% of men and women and then 40% of that have art scars that they can point to that change how they felt they feel about themselves in terms of being creative people. And people can't make the leap from that to the cover of Time magazine where it says innovation crisis in the U.S. You know, this is a really big deal. To create, to innovate, to share things that have never existed before. That's the definition of creativity. To make something that hasn't existed before. To do that is incredibly vulnerable. To share your work with other people, to share a photograph that you took with some friends and in this great, incredibly vulnerable. But creativity is a deep, important part of the human spirit. And we have to find a way to do it. And I've got to tell you that when this emerged, I was like, oh my God, I've got to get creative. Um, what am I going to do? And I was very intentional. Like, remember I had the syllabus with my therapist. I'm like, okay, cultivate creativity. So what I do for the very first creative effort is I go to a gourd painting class <laughs> in Houston. Laura Lopez Cano is a Latina artist and her gourds are in the Smithsonian. She paints these incredible like virgins of Guadalupe on gourds. And she had a gourd painting class at a store in 19th Street in Houston. So my mom and Ellen and I go. And Ellen's almost finished with her gourd. My mom's painting away and I am paralyzed. It's like me and the paintbrush and I'm just locked in to the Smithsonian gourd that she brought as a sample. I'm like, I'm not ever going to get this gourd in the Smithsonian. <laughs> and so what exactly is the point? I'm drawing the gourd. <laughs> and she goes by Lauda. And Lauda walks up and she goes, you have not been creative lately, have you? <laughs> Big tears streaming down my face. You just need to pick up the brush and do it. I was like, a lot of middle-aged white women come to my classes. <laughs> they have this same problem. It's like I'm obsessed now uh, with creativity. Like I took, you know, photography classes. I do all kinds of photography. I make movies all the time with photographs. Um, I just can't imagine that I used to not do that. You know what? It's play. It's creativity. It's fun. It's making something. And I think doing it with our families you know, we have family art projects now all the time. We are like the goofiest, wholehearted people you'll ever meet now, for sure. But we do those projects all the time. And it's been, like, I think to myself, what if I wouldn't have known this? 
when Ellen came home teary-eyed about her art experience? And my response would have been like, oh, God, thank God that thing's over. Let's move on. Algebra. That's where the action is. You know, had I not known, you know, and had we not been able to look out for our kids and encouraging my husband to find something, you know, because that's, I think sometimes that can be harder, right? We're going to launch into play and rest in the next session, which is going to require a lot of time to unpack. And I think maybe it'd be better if we stopped here and then the next session went into play and rest because there's going to be a lot to talk about there. All right, great. So guys, I hope you enjoyed Brene's message and how it connects with vulnerability. And I would urge all of you to not only listen to her videos on YouTube, her books, but to get creative, to stop comparing yourself to other people and to be comfortable with who you are at the core. That little child inside of you that wants to be creative, wants to be heard, and wants to go dance in the rain or draw a silly picture or make some serious situations super funny, whatever the case is for you, whatever your inner child is telling you to do, I urge you to do it. And when you're done, I want you to ignore anyone who doesn't support you because those people don't truly understand vulnerability. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's message. I hope you have a wonderful week. And as always, begin the duel, win the day.